Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast, episode 188. Holy cow, how did we get this many episodes into this show? I cannot believe it. Uh, today we are recording on Saturday of all days, January 13th, 2024. Happy New Year. It's my first time on the show, I think, in the new year here. I'm your host, Chris, and today I'm joined by Angie at Stellar Smalls. Angie, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year. I'm good so far. I yourself? I'm doing well. I had the busiest chore-filled cooking-filled day today. Um, and so now, uh, for, for folks who don't live in the northern hemispheres and have shitty, shitty, like, terribly insulated windows, this is going to sound very strange. But um, <laughs> we finally got the plastic wrap up on my office windows today. <laughs> so that's been uh, interesting, to say the least. Um, but, uh, so, did all kinds of chores. Um there was a huge blizzard in the last week or so in Wisconsin. I'm sure it's no different in Minnesota because it's hitting everywhere from what I can tell. But I think well, we got... The, the southeastern part of Minnesota got hit um, in the southern part of it. But we... In the Twin Cities and north, nothing. Really? Oh Not my gosh. Really. We got like 13 inches of snow in one day yesterday. Woo! Um, so it's... Uh, we, my uh, girlfriend and I went on a nighttime snow walk while it was still in the 30s instead of in the t- 10s and 20s and mm-hmm. made some snow angels in a really deep pile of snow, which was really fun. Um, oh, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, what else would you do, right? I'd stay at home and watch a movie and curl up with some video games, which is mostly what we did end up doing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to jump into the rigmarole, and then I want to get us rolling because... Um, I know, Angie, you can't see the dock right now, but if you could, you would say, wow, Chris actually played video games for once. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to be part of the conversation, you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can reach us on Twitter at Mostly Normal Gamers Podcast. That's not actually the app. It's MN Gamers Podcast. So at MN Gamers Podcast. If you don't use Twitter kind of like how I don't use Twitter. You can reach us the old-fashioned way via email at podcast at MostlyNormalGamers.com. MostlyNormalGamers.com is our website, so go check it out. You can sign up for Mostly Normal Monthly at MNGamers.Substack.com. Now, the name is false advertising, but I promise you this. In nine days from when we record this, on Monday the 22nd, there will be a Game of the Year write-up from me for Game of the Year 2023, uh, and possibly I'll be able to drag one or two hosts into contributing, but who knows? Uh, but look forward to, to a episode issue release uh, where I try to type up some thoughts about Game of the Year. I played a bunch of stuff in between when we recorded and when I'm going to be writing the list. Uh most of it didn't come out last year, but there's some ones that are sneaking to the top in my estimation, um, which you'll probably hear about later on the show. You can leave us a voicemail at or text message to our Google voice number at 507-291-2991. We would love to feature people's voices and feedback and comments and questions on the show. So again, 507-291-2991 if you want to 
put your voice on an episode. You can check out the video on demand recording of these podcasts when we do them on stream by going to the Mostly Normal Gamers YouTube channel. And you can watch us live on Twitch when we record live at twitch.tv slash mostly normal gamers. Man, that rigmarole feels like it's growing and growing and growing, but we're all over the place now, so that's all you can do. Yeah. With that, because I'm going to go buck wild on games I've been playing, I want to start with you, Angie. What, what have you been playing? What's keeping you busy? Any new games for the new year? Are you catching up on stuff, or you just been taking a break? What's going on? Not necessarily anything new. I've just been playing um, Hogwarts, Hogwarts Legacy a lot. Yeah, you were saying. So I heard a news story, and I can't like cite my source on this, but I think it sold like 22 million units last year, and it's like the biggest selling game of the year. So I it know is, yeah. when, when we've December talked... December where it's highlight, where it, it was his uh, high points of selling, I heard. So yeah, the year, the month. big big holiday gift game. I'm sure for people. Mm-hmm. I know um, my like really good friend who um, just uh, her boyfriend just moved in with her. He got a PS5 for his birthday as like a group gift, and so now they have a PS5 in the house. And he got her Hogwarts Legacy for Christmas, uh, so she was excited about that and playing yes. that um, as well. But uh, I remember. When I think when I was talking about it with John or when we on the show when we've talked about it with John, there's like the amazingness of like taking off on the broom and like that like flight mechanic and stuff. But like what's keeping you excited about it? Because I feel like you've been playing this for a bit now, right? Yeah, I think my total time um, since getting it a little before Christmas, like a few days or so before Christmas, I got it for myself. I was like, you know, why not? Um, it was on sale. So... Um, I think my total time counting today is like maybe 27 hours to 30 hours, something along those lines. But I mean, it's like Breath of the Wild in the sense where I just keep finding stuff and things just seem, this world just seems so huge and there's just so many things within it that I can explore and find. And it's really fascinating. Um, Recently... I've been um, dabbling in finding beasts, is what they're called. So Oh, sure, sure. You know, like, if you remember from the movie, they have it, it um, they, they seen and Harry had rode a hippogriff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saved one of those, and now there's this area in the game where you can store these beasts because there's poachers in the game that take these beasts and like sell them hurt them just tear them of their fur like just not nice people so i save them and i save them in these they're called vivariums Mm. and so i have um many beasts in my vivariums and i just opened a swamp vivarium for this beast called a Thestral. And you can only see these Thestrals. It's like a flying horse, basically. Oh, sure. Um, but I remember this from the book. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. skin and bone, basically. But you can only see them if you have seen death. But um, 
I saved a male and a female, and I bred them. So now I have a baby Thestral, and he looks so cute. And, but in the vivariums, you, they don't grow old, so you just have a baby just running around all the time. It's adorable. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been messing around with those and saving those. And I just did a quest where I saved a dragon. Whoa, okay. And... Um, it was, it, it, like, pissed me off because in, like, you're doing the quest and you have to be hidden and then you come to this point, this room where you see the dragon, you see these poachers, like, shooting magic at it, hurting it, taunting it, but it's chained up so the dragon can't do anything. So it's mm-hmm. like, you're just being a dick to be a dick. And I just, I was like, I want to go down there and kill those guys. <laughs> I was so mad. I was so mad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so went down there, killed them all. There's, like, a couple of rounds and, um... It's it's interesting going through all the, the magic that you're able to use, different types of magic, um, which is really fun. But, yeah, it's it's very interesting game. It just keeps it keeps me engaged. And then I'm like, you know what? I, need, I should do stuff, like make dinner. <laughs> so I need to pause. <laughs> and then I go this- right back to it. This sounds relatable in so many ways. It, it, I think it's always a good sign when you're like losing track of time and like are like, ah, oh, crap! I have responsibilities I have to get to. That's always a sign that you're like vibing with a game for sure. You know, adulting. Every day of my life. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's a wonderful game. It it looks. There's some glitches in parts of it, and um, yeah. and you can see that. But it's not. It's not really damaging to the game as it, if, for example, like um, uh, Cyberpunk, like how that was just always slow, always lagging, always everything's happening. This you just see a little like if you turn your camera and you're looking up at the sky in a certain angle, you see like little blocks of certain colors or something that are popping up like it shouldn't be there, and then you move and it just goes away. It doesn't actually affect the flow of the game. It's just Which like a nice. weird artifact and maybe like hand wave it and say, eh, it's magic anyways. I mean, you could. I mean, it kind of looks like it. At first you're like, wait, what was that up there? <laughs> Watch it turn out to be some sort of like secret side quest magic storyline of some kind. And that would like, be interesting. And yeah, that'd be really that. funny. Um, are you playing anything else? Nope. So far, just uh, just going back to that, just because it's you know so huge. Just like Breath yeah. of the Wild, I'm just like, well, I mean, there's so much to do. Just keep playing well. away at it. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I uh, what, uh, what games are you I, playing? I've taken the opposite approach, kind of, of the one big game. So, Breath of the Wild's been on, or wow, well, not Breath of the Wild. Tears of the Kingdom's been on the back burner for a while. Um, I'm not even keeping up with Knights of the Old Republic anymore. I kind of hit. A little bit of a wall with that. I need to get back on mm. it because now I'm like three episodes behind on the podcast that I'm playing along with it. So I've got to get caught up on a bunch of uh, that. But um, chronological order, um, right when I got done, the day after I like finished my class that I was doing that was kind of keeping me from playing very many games, mm-hmm. um, I spent a day on the couch and then took a break in the middle and then came back to the couch and uh, played side-by-side with my girlfriend Trillian. Two games on my Switch and beat both of them (laughs) in the same day, start to finish. Um, So the first one was Sayonara Wild Hearts. Have you heard of that game at all? I have not. Okay. It's a, like, really short, like, couple-hour-long game 
that uh, people have described as like you're just playing a rhythm game that's just like a pop album visualizer. Like it's the interaction's really pretty limited. The music's really fun. Um, I found it to be like um, kind of like junk food almost where it's like yeah that was like fun in the moment and like uh, I was not upset that I played it but like it didn't stick with me that much um, oh, okay. the, the visual style is really cool um, it's, it's very abstract um, like it, you're like going around and like I think the story involves you like breaking up with your ex and getting into a fight with a bunch of people it's all very weird but um, the, the aesthetics are rad and the music is really fun and poppy and like upbeat energetic and um, it plays around with some of the mechanics in a way that is interesting so it doesn't like get stale and it's such a short experience where it's like you know you just knock it out and like play it so um, yeah. I, I started out higher on it and like it it's just cool and fun and energetic the other game I played that day on Switch was Donut County. Have you heard of this one at all? I think I think so. I'm gonna, no, 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 not no. Okay. It's similar to a different name of the different game. That okay, but go ahead. So Donut County um, is a game uh, by the same person who made Neon White. I think a year or two ago. If that sounds familiar, that like yep. super fast paced like action card game. I have not gotten <clears> a chance to play Neon White yet. But Donut County. You play as a raccoon who has a donut delivery app and you deliver donuts to people. That's adorable. But because you're a raccoon and you're kind of a dick, what you're actually <laughs> doing is you are sending a, a hole that drops objects and citizens and houses into the underground underneath Donut County and you're trapped down there. So, literally, um, have you ever, like, played, like, a Katamari Damacy game or anything like that, where you're, like, rolling the ball around, picking stuff up? Mm-hmm. It's like the inverse of that, where you start with a really small hole in the ground in each level, and there's, like, a series of different levels for each person who you've screwed over by dropping into the middle of the earth. Mm-hmm. It, it's told in a re- the narrative structure is really interesting because it shows all these people around a campfire in this like underground area and then it like cuts to when you screwed them over by ruining their day and dropping them in the earth i found it to be really really funny but um you start with a really teeny tiny hole and as each object falls into it it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you have oh, to clear yeah. all of the stuff out of the level before you like finish the level it has this almost like Pokedex where it's just an encyclopedia, but they call it like the Trashopedia. And I <laughs> I think it might be like the funniest writing in a video game I've ever read. It's literally like all in the voice of like how a raccoon would think about the garbage you're picking up. And like, it's, I, I can't even like pull the jokes, but like it was so delightful and, like, the game, also pretty approachable in length, um, mechanically, like, very straightforward. Like, it, it is so easy to understand. Um, 
my partner and I like played it passing the controller for a bit. I like she was having a really fun time just following along and and enjoyed the story I think a lot and like mm-hmm. had was laughing alongside me so much at the Trashopedia like uh, it, it was unbelievable. Um the game introduces a couple of different mechanics throughout and then like does a really good job of drawing those all together in the final level to like make you remember stuff um a mild spoiler but just like as an example of some of the goofy stuff that happens in this game so there's a level where you have to like there's these people who are like oh we like came here to see the rabbits because we love rabbits Mm -hmm. and so you get two different rabbits in the hole and they start screwing like rabbits in the hole and so when you get two rabbits in your hole, your hole just grows bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because it's filling up with rabbits as if you had a bunch of objects in it. Oh, and then they bring it back at the end in this, like, do all of the stuff you learned level. It was so funny. Anyways, I, I'm, like, I'm not doing the game justice. I th- the art style's really cute and, like, very simple because that's the kind of game it is. But, like, I think it has a strong aesthetic. Um, most of the characters are different animals and they all have great personalities and like you get to like kind of like snoop on their routines and like get to know these citizens of Donut County and then like ruin their day basically Um, and then you know you make up for it at the end but you know I really loved it Um, it totally outshone Sayonara Wild Hearts and I did not expect that Um, so that was kind of my, my Switch refrigerator cleanup um, I've had those games installed on my Switch potentially for years because I just have like compulsively been buying Switch games on sale the way people do with Steam. Yeah. And so I'm like finally taking some time to try to work my way back through that backlog of like smaller indie games that I can just knock out. Go um, and yeah. um, I recommend both of them, but like Donut County is incredible. Like I really loved it. I'm I'm looking at the pictures of it, and there's a picture of him sitting on the toilet. Yeah, yeah, the raccoon. It's, it's it's nuts, dude. It's it's like very like very funny to me. I, it hit my sense of humor like right on the nose, which is hard to do. As uh, anyone who's hung out with me knows, I have a very weird sense of humor, and the game was like right on target. Um, there's like some stuff that I want to hit really, really quick before I get into the stuff that's been more like big deal. Um, Fortnite Festival made me find out I might have carpal tunnel. <laughs> so um, I had been playing Fortnite Festival and I figured out a control scheme that made sense to try it on expert. And then a couple days later, immediately after work, my two fingers, um, my two uh ring finger and pinky finger on my left hand seized up briefly after my work day uh so i called the um, the doctor and the nurse said that i had to take a week off of playing video games and i was good i didn't do it i didn't play any games that used a controller now was i playing so many phone games that's a whole nother story but i did not play a single <laughs> controller based game um it hasn't flared back up again but if it does i need to call the nurse and go figure out my life um, this this nurse was like, well, do you play video games? And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> don't take my hobbies from me. Um, but um, Fortnite Festival, like, please, like, simultaneously was I like, please give me plastic instruments. And also, oh, my God, I think now that I'm 34, if this hand thing keeps happening, like, I don't know if I can do Fortnite Festival guitar on expert and, like, 
keep up and hang and not damage my body. So that was kind of a bummer, but it was fun. I That's kind of scary. It, it is scary. Aging is a nightmare, Angie. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. I'll try not to. I mean, I yeah. have a serum. I hope uh, they invent time serum and it just stops <laughs> you for a little bit. Um, anyways, aging is beautiful, but bodies suck. And, uh, you know, take care of your body, stretch your hands, rest your hands. Think about ergonomics when you're doing stuff, especially in playing games. Like, it all catches up with you. Well, side note, I, I mentioned this to somebody at, that, like, why does why does 30 have to be the, the mark of where your body starts to feel stuff more? Oh, yeah, it's like, the failure why, point. Why is it that point? Why can't it be 50 when that starts? Like, so then we can have more enjoyment. I don't what, know. I, what I've heard is if you think 30's bad, just wait <laughs> until 50. Like, 50's well, where it really comes from. Why can't it be back a little bit? Why do we have to do it now? I feel like we don't have enough time. I trust you know? me, I agree. You you don't get to appreciate it while you got it. That's what I mm. think. So, um I have not played that much Fortnite Festival. I if there was a plastic instrument, I would potentially get it and dabble in it, but one of the things that I like struggle with is like Anyways, I want to see how that game grows and develops over time. The one other thing that I've been dabbling in is I literally just played Alan Wake 2 for the first time. I got it on like super sale on PC because it was on sale on the Epic Game Store for their holiday sale plus they had the discount um, they do that like 10% off uh, coupon on Epic Game Store during that holiday sale so it was like dirt cheap and like everyone knows I would rather be playing games on my com- on my couch in front of my TV on my Xbox even though I have a gaming PC that I'm recording this on that is, like, stronger than the Xbox Series X because a friend spoiled me. I've taken drastic action to make it so that I'll actually use this stupid computer and bought a (laughs) monitor arm. And so I'm recording the podcast right now from a lazy boy recliner in my office with the monitor swung around on the monitor arm And just before this, I had my Xbox controller, and I was leaning back, had my headphones on, and was just playing some Alan Wake in the dark, and it's a scary, scary nightmare game that I'm not playing around my girlfriend because she doesn't like horror, and neither do I, but I like (laughs) Alan Wake. So anyways, so I'm like literally like mere minutes into Alan Wake because I had to come record the podcast, but wow, what a start to a game. Visually gorgeous. I was going to say, is that why, do you, when it won all of those awards, I think it won like three, four, maybe five awards during the Game Awards, do you feel like it was worth it for them to win those? I'm so early on, like, Angie, I am in the tutorial, you know, like, I have not done very much, but it starts... It won four awards. Yeah, it starts really... I'm intrigued. I think the characterization's already really fun. Um, Saga Anderson is the new protagonist in the game, and she's rad. Her voice acting is incredible. Her character model is incredible. Like, it looks so great, um, and I'm just excited to learn more about the world and the story and hopefully not get too scared by it. Um, there were already jump scares and scary bits, and none of it felt too rattling, but, you know, we'll see. Um, so literally, like, just scratching the surface of that. 
the big deal games are. I'm playing Monster Hunter World on PC with my buddy from childhood before he has his baby, which means I have like three weeks to play it with him. <laughs> but um, that's been really, really fun. I know it's an old game, but like it is still gorgeous. Um, it looks incredible. Um, I'm playing with the, I think it's like the great bow or the bow and arrow or whatever it is. Um, and so um, there's this quirk with Monster Hunter World. Have you, have, did you play Monster Hunter World at all when it came out? I don't know if it was your type of game. I did not. I, I um, years ago I attempted to with a friend, but it just didn't, like, didn't, didn't catch. Yeah. Yeah. There's this quirk where in order to play online together in the story mode levels, each, like, the person joining the game has to have seen the cutscene at the start of the level first. And so you have to play the level yourself to see the cutscene and then abandon the hunt that you're on. And then you can join your friend's game. And we've only tried to play this together once. And straight up, like, couldn't figure out the multiplayer until we got to side quest content, like, two story levels in. So we were just, like, on mic chatting. And I was using the bow and arrow, and he was using, like, up-close melee weapons. That's the whole game is, what weapon are you going to use? But let me tell you, like, when we were on just this, like, side quest going out hunting these, like, extra monsters... Him being mixing it up close with like a sword and me being able to stay at range and have him like tank for me like it was an MMO and be able to just like mess stuff up was so fun. Um, I had to go and we were going to play again last week, but I was in I'm calling it hand jail where the nurse told me not to play any video games, but I'm hoping to play with him during the weekend (laughs) this weekend. I'm like really looking forward to getting back to it. I was having a ton of fun um, and I know I. I kind of have a, a friend who, um, in the way that like I was obsessed with Pokemon growing up and I'm still obsessed with Pokemon, I have a friend who had the same thing but with Monster Hunter somehow. Yep. And I mean, that makes sense. So um, I, I have someone who can like help me out and get me through it and teach me the stuff if I ever run into questions or anything, such as how do I play story mode missions with my friend? Oh, Chris, you have to watch this court, the story cutscene yourself, quit the mission, and then join your friend's game. Thanks, Miles. I appreciate it. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'll have I'll potentially have more to talk about Monster Hunter World, but like I get it. I finally get it. I understand why people are crazy about this one in particular. Um, and I'm excited that if I really get into it, I already own Rise on my Switch because I bought it. Because I was like, I'm going to play this one with you, Miles. Like, I'm there day one. And, like, he was off, like, destroying the world. And I, like, played the tutorial area and just tried out every weapon. And I was like, that's cool. And then I got distracted and moved on to something else. So I got one in the chamber if I really get into the series. Anyways, um the two things that I've spent the most time playing, and then I need to wrap this up because holy cow, so many video games, right, Angie? Well, it's a good thing. I, it is a good thing, it is. The The first one I want to talk about because it's faster is I've been doing the crossword daily along with some other daily games on the website Puzmo, which um, okay. if, if people who've been listening to the podcast since I started on it, which was already like a year's worth of episodes in or something like that. Um, But people who've been listening to us for a long time may have heard me talk about Good Sudoku, which is a game for iPhone by 
Zach Gage and um, Jack Schlesinger, I think. Um, Zach Gage, at the very least, I don't know if Jack was involved with the website, um, created this daily puzzle website the way that people will engage with the daily puzzle games on the New York Times app, right? And so it has a crossword, um, and, and I've been really enjoying doing those, but the way I'm having the most fun with it is um, when I think about doing crosswords, I think back to when my girlfriend um, had a roommate and we would have a crossword out and pick at it all day long, working together and trying to like think about it together. Yeah. And the cool thing about Puzmo's crossword functionality is you create a, a free account and then you can have people join your session of the crossword and solve it together on your phone. So oh, it nice. shows so it's like you know at a coffee table you just have it out there but it's virtual. Yeah, yeah. And so um Sweet. for it seems like they don't strictly stick to like the Monday is easiest, Sunday is hardest, but I do think the weekend ones have felt a little bit more challenging. And so f because it's the weekend and because we can have kind of a slow morning, we'll like do breakfast and then sit on the couch and like do the crossword together while listening to music. It's mm -hmm. awesome. It's been so cool. And it's really fun. Like, it's like the type of game that just makes you kind of feel smart. Like, puzzle games, like those kind of like things you would get in a puzzle, like Sudoku. And uh, there's this game, Spell Tower, that I loved on the phone and is part of Puzzmo. Puzzmo has like a whole bunch of different stuff, including games that like have apps. Like, Really Bad Chess is a Zach Gage game. It has, like, a bunch of Zach Gage games. Um, but it, it's it's awesome. I really recommend it to people who like puzzle games at all. But it's been really fun. And speaking of games that are good at making you feel smart... Y'all, Cocoon would be, like, a strong top three game of the year for me this year. I'm, like, pretty sure. I would have to look at the list. I mean, they won three awards as well, I believe. They're up, so the DICE Awards are in February, and they're up mm -hmm. for Game of the Year, like, yeah. full stop. They are in the list of oh, five, because yeah. I think they only picked five games for, for Game of the Year. Did you well, play... One of the, one of, I did not play it, but one of the uh, awards they did win was the best debut uh, indie game. Right. So it's a, it's a new... it's so amazing. It's a new studio, but it's... Um, the developer, the the lead developer, and maybe one of the other people I think worked on Limbo and Inside, so you know it's not their first rodeo, but it's their first game as a studio, and yeah, um, which is a huge deal. Yeah, so I'm ninety two percent through this game. Um, my partner and I've been passing the controller and playing it together. Um, I'm so impressed by her because. Uh, she like forced me to fight the first boss fight because she didn't want to do timing and combat stuff, and I get that. That's like yeah. you know, it's not her her bag, but yep. um, I kind of like half forced, half encouraged her to complete the second boss on her own, and she made it through a boss fight in the game, which was like awesome, and she was so Yay. happy about. Um, but the real boss fight is the puzzles we've solved along the way. Oh, oh really? my god, it is so. <laughs> so like so satisfying i like angie it's on game pass like if you have game pass like please please check it out i didn't um, know it was on game pass i thought yeah it's I, it's incredible awesome. it's I'm, yeah I'm it's only it. a few hours long i think it's probably gonna end up being like five or six hours long 
especially depending on how good you are at solving puzzles, right? That all like it, I think with a puzzle game like this, it's just going to depend on how quickly you figure out the solutions on some level, right? It, and if you like puzzles too, like you know, otherwise yeah. if you just like try and get frustrated easily, it might not be a super fun right away. But I think I mean, the game imagine. walks a really good fine line with making you scratch your head and get those aha moments without really ever being like paralyzingly hard. Um, mm-hmm. The first time that I really, really felt just stuck was like 85% through of the game. And Angie, I kid you not, when we solved this puzzle situation, and I'm not going to say anything about the mechanics of this game because you just have to play (laughs) it. I know John was talking about it, so I'm sure he's like talked a little bit about it with you maybe on a previous episode. But like the, the solution we got to for this puzzle and it's it's not the kind of puzzle game where it's like oh like you can kind of fudge it like tears of the kingdom right it's like very strict like no like this is the solution to the puzzle right when we figured it out i i was like this is the best video game ever designed it literally broke my brain in half um the the sound design of the game is incredible um I only know this because I listened to a interview with the sound designer, but um, they actually bring in the you've started solving the puzzle music before you've finished it, right? So sometimes in a puzzle game, there's like a chime or like a musical cue for like, you solved the puzzle, good job. Yeah. The game's puzzles are designed and knowing this and seeing how it plays out in the game is like... It's like you get to see how they're making you feel like a genius. It's so cool. As if you get a puzzle to a point where you've solved it, even though you haven't finished it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know what you need to do and you're on your way to do it. The music will slowly start swelling up behind you and, like, give you that musical feedback of you did it. The visual design of this game is unlike anything I've ever ever seen in a video game and i'm not talking about graphics but i'm talking about like it's so alien looking there was a boss fight where the ground was supposed to look like tissue but my girlfriend said it's a floor full of hot dogs and i couldn't unsee it and i hate (laughs) hot dogs it was icky like it just rules so fucking hard like i I really like this game. So, like, if you have Game Pass, like, strongest possible recommendation. Honestly, like, once we're done recording, I might just get up and finish the last little bit of the game. We were yeah. we were literally yeah, playing it this morning, and I was like, oh, Angie, I'm going to finish this game before we record. And then, boy, did I get swept up in the chore whirlwind. I was in a full chore tornado today. A okay. tornado. Um <laughs> But um, I, I, like, really, really, like, it's such a short game that it feels stupid saying this, but I was like, I don't want it to end. <laughs> like, I want to spend more time in this creepy alien world with my orbs. <laughs> and it's like a six-hour game. Well, it's a good thing that you liked it so much then. I mean, do you think that even when you do finish it, that you li- if you like it so much, you just go back and play it again? Maybe not super soon, but... <sighs> Maybe I, the so 
the frustration point for me is like there's a few like hidden secrets where you get like an achievement for each time you find the secret and we we literally left the game off in a room where it unveils to you how many of the secrets did you get or not get and indicates i think basically the point where ad is like now you can go back and look for these if you want so it i'm not drawn to do completionist stuff like that very often in games yeah um i think in this specific case that might be what i do if i come back to the game is just like find a way um one of the things i wanted to talk about is the game doesn't have a save system it's like auto saving all the time but it has a load system and the load menu for this game is fucking incredible it is a circle i want you to picture a circle and Mm -hmm. you literally can move it back each checkpoint and it tells you what percentage of the game you were at which items you had available to you it has indicators for the boss fights that you did at that point and you can literally see and scroll through and scrub through the entire history of the game in this load menu and so it's not just a menu interface to load your save it's also like a timeline of your experience with the game from start to finish that's kind of nice and it's visually interesting too it's fucking awesome and it's the load screen that you may not even ever engage with angie because the game auto saves and it's six hours long but it's still interesting for you know some people i'm sure but even just to view it it sounds like it could be no i i loved it i was like i was like nervous about quitting the game because there's no say there's no the word save does not appear in the menus for this game anywhere and so i just like quit to menu and i was like well i hope i didn't ruin our whole afternoon's work um but just i mean that would be terrible but i highly doubt you know just you like you said load back to where you were um anyways so so rad and like i really recommend it to people even if you don't think you like puzzle games like i it's it's like like give it a try the closest analogy I could have for how much fun I'm having in a genre I don't usually like is, like, the last time I liked a puzzle game this much, it was called Portal and Portal 2. And those were good games. Yeah. Um, anyways. So, that's that. I I think I would have to think about it. I, I don't think I would put this above Tears of the Kingdom. But the fact that I have to ask that question <laughs> should say I mean, a lot. Yeah. It just has a different level of scope and ambition. But, like, if you've listened to me on this podcast, right, like, I kind of like games that have really confined scope and, like, are indies and are, like, labors. All video games are labors of love, right? But, like, are, like, a small team doing, like, a specific thing that's bite size and that I can finish and, like, feel like I made an investment and got my time's worth out of it and like Mm -hmm. cocoon is like going to leave me wanting more and i think that's like the best possible praise i can give it um with that with my gushing about cocoon over (laughs) um i do want to talk about some news that being said most of the news that I threw in the doc today is so 
so big bummer vibes <laughs> that I, I just want to start with something goofy and fun and positive. <laughs> and so um, the first news story uh, comes from Thomas Franzi- Franzisi at Digital Trends. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to jump in and make sure I read the actual headline. The headline from Thomas's article is, an AI company may have just leaked the Nintendo Switch 2's name and release month. So it's CES this week, I guess. Um, The first thing I wanna say is I just listened to some follow-up reporting on this and uh, Jason Schreier from Bloomberg uh, reached out to this uh, AI company and, and confirmed they're just speculating on the date. They don't actually know. They, they're more or less just guessing about when it's going to come out. Um, Probably to boost their own something, whatever they're trying to do, I'm assuming. <laughs> so here's, here's the je ne sais quoi of this. Here's the, here's the deal. The first paragraph of the article goes, as part of an, the ongoing wave of AI-related news at CES 2024... AI Tech Lansing revealed an artificial intelligence powered successor to the Game Shark called AI Shark. Mm-hmm. Angie, I'm 34. And I know all about the Game Shark because I sucked at video games as a kid. But when you hear the term Game Shark, like, did you engage with cheat devices on your game systems? Like, is that a part of your gaming at all? So does no. does the brand name Game Shark mean anything to you? No. It means a lot to me. Like sincerely, so w- the cool thing about the Game Shark, um, some of them you would literally like it would be a cartridge that you plugged into the top of your s- Nintendo, and then okay. or N sixty four, and then you would plug the cartridge like into the top of that second cartridge, and it would let you put in cheat codes before you played the game, so you could give yourself like infinite lives or whatever and all of that, right? Okay. 99 lives whatever it was infinite health or all that stuff it was it was a way of kind of like working around the game and like breaking it and cheating basically it's kind of like grand theft auto cheat codes but you had to like have a separate thing for it to plug in to your console like physically plug in yeah so i mean it was what 90s when that happened yeah, 90s. I, it may have been around in the 80s, too, but definitely oh, okay. it was definitely a 90s thing. Um, I was listening to some conversation about this, and I think um, the last system to have a Game Shark device for it was actually the PlayStation 3, which was surprising to me. So, oh. like, all the way out into the 2000s. Anyways, yeah. uh, um, there's two things I want to talk about with this article. One is I'm so tired of talking about AI, not like on this show necessarily, because I haven't really been around it, but like, it just feels so much like the next tech thing that is being chased after. Um, I think large language models are like interesting conceptually, but like I'm very speculative of them. Um, mm-hmm. I think, um, anyways, the other reporting was Jason Schreier basically said, because this is all speculation, like. It's kind of a moot point, but the the headline was the Nintendo Switch 2 is going to be called the Nintendo Switch 2 and it's targeting September 2024. But that's all guess and check from AI Shark, the AI company. Um, so 
it really kind of deflates the excitement of that. But like, does that feel like a realistic release date for you? I think that goes on to be like six, seven, eight years since the Switch came out. That seems close to me. I mean, potentially, but didn't they not long ago release the OLED, the OLED? One sec, let me... I mean, I thought it was like a year, maybe a little over a year now, two years. Can't be more than two years ago. Can't imagine. Unless time is flying. October 2021, so... Oh, fuck. Okay, so three years-ish. By the, I mean, by the September date, right? So, like, if it... It'll have been three years out from the model refresh of the OLED. Um, I think that's an interesting point, but I think, like... I don't think so. You, you think that's too soon? I th- well, because Nintendo recently mentioned that they have no indications of releasing a 2. Because their system that they have... Their systems they have right now are... It's doing its job. Nothing that they want to upgrade right now. Interesting. So, the, I'll have to find I'll have to find that and uh, get some sources. But I'm pretty positive that they were saying like, nope, not not right now. Unless they're saying it for right now, so they can release their timeline on whenever they want to actually release that timeline. Mm. Um, I mean, that could very well be. In which they deserve it, if that is the case. But I don't. I don't think so. If I'm wrong, that's fine. I mean, they could do whatever they want to do. It would suck. I'm getting sick of people leaking stuff from these video game companies before they're ready to release it. Mm. So then people are expecting it way earlier than they're supposed to be expecting it. So then they get more the companies get more backlash on it or if something a video of a video gets released on a, something they're working on and doesn't look right people will get pissed off about it and then that puts a negative piece on it it's just mm-hmm. stop leaking stuff just leave it alone leave it alone let them do their job let them do their work I do think like it's a delicate line to cross with the leaking of stuff like through a hack like I don't love but if like a like it I think it's a little more nuanced for me but I agree that like if you're going to engage with leaks that aren't like final versions of a game right you have to bring the knowledge that like game development is messy and it's still in process and like things don't look polished and finalized until like very late in a game's death cycle. I know but a lot of the younger gaming generation they don't realize that or don't care to realize it and they're like this is crap and then they just shut it down right away. It's like do you realize that we're in this stage of the game life cycle? Well, it's not even just the younger folks. Like, I can think back to Spider-Man 1 when it was shown off and people, like, riot. The first Spider-Man PS4 game, there was this news story that was going around about people getting upset because the puddles were smaller in the version that was released as compared to the footage that they showed in a trailer at E3. Like Cheese and rice people have been the worst about even about officially presented materials 
like it we need to calm down mm-hmm. and that's kind of the antithesis of like what gaming news cycles are about they're about hype and excitement and getting your blood boiling and getting engagement right and sometimes I think we get overheated on some of that stuff so I, I agree that the less heat you put on like pre-release materials the better unless it's like an official marketing thing from like very late in the dev cycle like right before a game comes out otherwise everything's got to be taken with a grain of salt i learned that lesson with you talked about it right cyberpunk 2077 had been getting shown off at e3 or shown off in general for years and years and years and then you know it came out and it was gorgeous but like nothing could run it it was advertised as an xbox one game Mm-hmm. You know, like the Xbox yeah. One can't run that thing. Really? Yeah. Barely. No. Barely. So, anyways, so, um, going back to to this article about AI Shark, just because I'm curious, I want to read this gibberish to you and see if you understand what it means, because I don't at all. <laughs> so, the last paragraph or second to last paragraph of of Thomas's article over at Digital Trends is as for what AI Shark is. AI Tech Lansing says it'll, quote, utilize exclusive XGPT technology and real-time, bracket, tensor processing units, close brackets, acceleration, so real-time tensor, tensor processing units, acceleration to elevate users' gaming experiences by providing personalized hints and assistance that keep up with fast-paced competitive gaming the press release unveiling ai shark does not explain what data set it will pull from in order to give players that advice so they've asked for clarification about that um so it's i guess the sales pitch is it's like a fact that's like giving you advice in live time well are they saying like, if you're playing a Call of Duty game. Like, that's a fast-paced game, or can be if you're doing the story in some parts of it. So are they saying that it's going to give you advice on what to do while you're doing it? I guess. It seems like it's like a, a guide that's, like, built into the game and using large language model AI, G, you know, GPT uh, yeah, no. stuff. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. I don't know why don't I would do that. Well, to be fair, have you tried to look up a guide for a specific part of a video game recent recently on the internet? Because it's really, really hard to find certain stuff anymore. Uh, Google has become I mean, a, yeah. a nightmare hellscape. I mean, I have, and it, but I'm pausing the game, so it's not so fast paced right anymore. It's paused. I'm reading what I need to read, and then I get back into the game. But if it's showing that in game, I'm not. That's too much happening already. If it's already yeah, fast-paced in a moment... a little bit overwhelming. You're right. I would ima- If it's already fast-paced and it's already going, I'm not going to pay attention to whatever shit... I'm not going to sit there and read whatever they're trying to do while I'm trying to, you know, not die, for example, or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. If that's what they're meaning, I guess I have no idea. We talked about the AI company's AI product. I sure hope the Switch 2 comes out in September, although I will have probably just started graduate school so who i don't think i'll have time for a switch to i won't have time for the game systems i already own 
Anyways, the last news story I want to talk about is more of like a collection of news stories in the first two weeks of the year. Uh, so several major gaming and gaming related companies have been hit by layoffs. Um, one of the big trends last year was the wave after wave after wave of layoff stories that hit. Um, I think the estimates uh, I've heard are between six and 9,000 people from the games industry were laid off last year. Um, and already in the first two weeks of 2024, uh, there have been more than 2,500 layoffs at gaming and games-related companies. Um, wow, that's a lot. So I'm pulling these stories from the last week from a lot of them are Cecilia de Anastasio, who reports out at Bloomberg. And then um, I subscribe to Aftermath, which is a journalist's own and run uh, kind of games and media publication from a bunch of folks who used to work at Kotaku. Um, and so oh, cool. uh, Luke Plunkett and Nathan Grayson uh, wrote about Unity and Twitch layoffs. So Unity being the, uh, you know, a game development software that a bunch of independent and other games are built out on. And Twitch obviously being Twitch, the big streaming platform. Um, I think Twitch's number was something like 17% of its staff. Unity was maybe like uh, 1,800 people or something unbelievable like that. Um, I gotta. I want to make sure I'm getting these numbers right. Yeah, 1,800 people, which is a 25% reduction in workforce over at Unity. Um, that was a huge number. And then... Um, Twitch is 500 people, which um, brings the total amount laid off to a thousand, I think, just in the last like year or two. Um, the, the 500 was this year, and I think there was probably 500 more last year. Um, that 500 is 35% of the workforce over at Twitch, which is obviously an Amazon subsidiary. Yep. Um, and then... Um, Discord, and this was reported over at The Verge by Alex Heath, uh, was where it was first sourced. Uh, they laid off 17% of their, their staff, which is um, 170 people, because uh, that's uh, Discord's a smaller company. And the, the last thing I wanted to bring up is, I don't, I don't remember who wrote about this at Aftermath. But that's just, um, I threw it in our uh, planning, uh, our news channel, but I didn't put it in the planning doc, is... Um, I, had, I had the privilege to go volunteer at the MDEV or Madison Develop, Game Developers Conference in November. And nice. um, there were local and remote game developers tabling, um, you know, getting people to like learn about the job opportunities they had and all of that stuff. And um, this company, Lost Boys Interactive, that I hadn't really heard of, was rolling deep at this event. Some of those folks were helping run this sort of small game convention that's like only in its like however many year, right? Madison, Wisconsin, like we have a bunch of game dev studios, but we're like, we're not New York, we're not LA, we're not like yeah. a huge big city like Chicago. But, you know, we had a, a, we had a bunch of folks from Lost Boys rep, representing at a table. I went and talked to every single table, so I interacted with these folks. Um, some of them were recruiting folks and they talked about 
Lost Boys Interactive, like we pride ourselves on our culture. We want to be inclusive. We want to be a great place to work. Everyone we talk to is like loves working here. It's an amazing culture. We work really hard to have a great culture from the top down. Um, so Lost Boys is a subsidiary of Gearbox, Gearbox being the people who make Borderlands and that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Lost Boys was independent f until however many years ago and then was bought by, by Gearbox. And Gearbox is owned by Embracer Group, which is that big company that didn't get their big funding from Saudi Arabia money and so have been going about just axing and shrinking and axing and shrinking this massive collection of smaller studios they've bought um, and it sounds like uh, there's unconfirmed amounts but like a pretty big amount of people at Lost Boys have lost their job this week and it just breaks my heart mm -hmm. um, yeah so <sighs> anyways it's a I feel that that one feels personal. I met those people potentially, yeah. um, and it just—I wish it didn't have to be this way. Look, I'm an economics major. Like, I understand like interest rates are colossal. People overhired during the pandemic because times were so good for things like gaming-related things, like Twitch and Discord. Right, everyone was online in front of their computer. Streaming was massive online video chat and chat were massive we're recording this call by doing a video chat on discord right now right like all of that stuff makes sense but just the degree to which they overscoped, and now the backwinds of some high interest rates not a bunch of money getting thrown around everywhere by venture capital and just a slowdown or slight retraction potentially from comparison to the big boom of 2020 for COVID-19 and we're looking at like 11,000 people losing their jobs potentially within 13 months mm -hmm. it's a lot it just breaks my heart and I, I don't want to get on like a big soapbox about it but I just my heart my energy goes out to anyone impacted if folks are on social media and know how to connect people with jobs or are in the industry, like please do your best to reach out to folks, help connect people to resources. Um, I know there are resources out there, but... I know uh, LinkedIn is really huge. I keep seeing stuff on that where people just like recommend other people because of they've either worked with them or know their background or know their history. So yeah. um, that's really huge, and I've seen really good impacts with that actually as well with a friend of mine who lost his job and was able to find another company to work for so awesome. with the recommendations through that so if, if people have LinkedIn and have that resource as well that that's huge yes I um, anyways I think LinkedIn's a great place to start I know social media is always a place where people find Absolutely. jobs but um, mm -hmm. the one thing I think about is so much of the industry has gotten laid off so recently that I don't know if there are other jobs to move to out there. And that, that's what really concerns me. Well, maybe not right away, but yeah, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. <sighs> um, so with the bummer news out of the way, um, I do have a question of the week. Um, I would love it if folks reached out to us in a tweet, in an email, by leaving a voicemail or a text 
and told us about their video game cheat code memories. Um, specifically, if you have Game Shark or Game Genie memories, I just want to hear people talk about the Game Shark and Game Genie. Um, in my heart of hearts, like I feel like James would be like just gushing about the Game Shark and all of his memories about it. I just have a feeling uh, that he, he gives that aura off. So if you have a, a goofy memory of like your favorite cheat code with the Game Shark or like what you thought of it, like were you like, oh, like, you know, if you have to cheat, that means you're bad at games or like what your attitude was about it. Because like, I don't know, I was a kid when this thing came out and I was bad at video games largely. I felt bad at them. So sometimes you had to cheat to be able to, well, like, games used to be hard, you know, especially in the 90s. Kid, yeah, and when being a kid, like, you know, it, it's more like, oh, you can do this? Cool, let's see what it's like. Yeah, kind it's... Of explore. So it's, I don't, whatever. If you want to use it, use it. I definitely, you know, when you're a kid, you have fewer games to play. And so, like, for me, Game Shark was like, oh, what does the cheating let you do? Oh, big head mode. Oh, like, I, it's like getting to play with Legos or Play-Doh and, like, sculpt and mess and poke at something that's digital that, like, yeah. I don't know programming. So, and especially when I was, like, nine. So it's, like, it's, the, it's <laughs> awesome. Anyways, um, so please tell us your stories. Reach out to us on social media. Um, with that... That's going to do it for the show this week. Um, Angie, thanks so much for recording with me on a Saturday of all things. This was so much fun. I always have so much fun chatting with you, and like I'm glad uh, that we get to keep doing this. It's been awesome. Um, I agree. It's been great. You can find the show, as always, on Twitter at MNGamersPodcast. You can find John at Johnny Samsonite. Angie at... Stellar Smalls. You could you. potentially find me at VG Occasion, but not right now. Um, I do have a note in here that says if somebody could send me a Blue Sky invite, that would be lit. Because I think if I'm going to go back on social media, it's not going to be Twitter. Um, <laughs> James can be found at Butlord Primus and streaming on Twitch at BLP Entertainment. If you want to contribute to the content, you can. We would love you to. You can send a podcast email to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. You can message us on Twitter. You can call into the voicemail line. 507-291-2991. Did that without looking at it because it's that easy oh, to remember. Yeah. You can sign up for Mostly Normal Monthly at mngamers.substack.com where you can look forward to the Game of the Year 2023 issue arriving in your inbox or at that web address on Monday the 22nd. I would love it if you took the time to read my writing. I think um, I looked back at my 2022 Game of the Year uh, issue and yep. read some of my writing on it, and I was actually really proud of what I wrote for that. I, I really like what I put together for that one. You so. do a great job with those. Like You Thank do amazing. You. I'm, I really appreciate that, Angie. I'm uh, looking forward to having the mental bandwidth and the time to do some more writing about games because it helps me understand what I like about them better, which is why I keep doing the Substack when I'm able to. Right. Lastly, please re leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, reviews help grow the show. You can help us grow our audience in the all-natural, organic, and small-town way by telling a friend to listen and check out the show. But uh, review on other, the podcasting platforms, especially Apple Podcasts, but even on Spotify or wherever you're listening, if there's a way to leave a review or a star rating, that helps us in the show rankings. Uh, it helps get the show in front of more people, and it gives us uh, awesome feedback. 
Um, so, you know, we appreciate every review we get and we appreciate everyone who listens. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this week's show. I'm going to go play games and you should too. Bye.